believe in God. I know God. I love me some Jesus. You told me too much. That's crazy. <laughs> That's on the next episode. It's the moon reading. I rock with you, Yaya. It's all love. They better listen to this advice. We good. You crazy, girl. This is what this show is about, all right? We With keep the it real. real and real talk. The God and God talk. Today is Tuesday, November 26th, and you're listening to Real Talk on God Talk, a podcast for people who skip church for brunch on Sundays. What's up, Yaya? Hey, Truth. What's up? <laughs> I'm good. How you living? How you living? I'm living. Girl, I'm tired. <laughs> I am ready. We are coming up on Turkey Day. Yes. It is that time of the year in North America where we basically stuff our faces with all the best fatty foods <laughs> yes we have tons of mandatory fun with family and friends yep and we also completely whitewash a brutal history of violence and land theft from native americans right <laughs> <laughs> and each year right here at real talk on god talk we get up on our soapbox mm -hmm. just to say thanksgiving is a fake ass violent ass disrespectful ass holiday and this year will be no different at all still the same but since no one here is holier than thou uh and many of us still like to partake in time off from work and a set of time to get together with family and friends, we actually want to focus on a few of the things we do actually like about the holiday. Right. So there is the fact that at least in name, it reminds us to give thanks. And gratitude is always a good thing. In fact, the commandment to give thanks is actually found in the Bible over 70 times. And nowhere in the good book is it more quoted than in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which says, in all things, give thanks. But what we want to know is uh, in Thessalonians, was Paul really saying to give thanks in all things, like in traffic, in the midst of a global climate change crisis? Are we supposed to give thanks even when we're broke? So for our check-in this week, we thought we would each say what, like one thing we remain grateful for, even when life gets hard. So yeah, yeah, you get to go first. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Okay. <laughs> Tap me in. Okay. Right. What's something that I remain grateful for, even when life gets hard? Um, I really try to remain grateful for the ability to make choices. Hmm. I think a lot of times, like I think about like when you know, the funds are low and the debts are high, right? right and it feels right. like I don't have any choices. Rent is due, you know, everything feels like my choices are so limited. What we often take as having no choice just means that we have limited choices. There are tons of choices we make every day. Right. So when things get like super hard for me, I try to like really switch things up and like I'll do something like real simple, like take an alternate route home from work. Okay. Like even the ability to say, okay, today I'm not going to walk down this block. I'm going to walk down that block and see right. something new. I feel like kind of, I know it's getting like all kind of spacey, but I feel like it kind of shakes up my probabilities. Yeah. Like the probabilities of certain things happening have now been altered because I made a different choice. Oh, and okay. that really makes me feel like empowered. It makes me feel good. Kind of like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm changing up things in my life. And right. so I just, I, I like that. Yeah, I try to stay grateful for the ability to make little choices. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Um, 
I think one way I like to uh, stay grateful in, in hard times is I actually like to look at pictures. So like um, Time Hop and like all those apps that tell you like, this is where you were like three years ago, a year ago, five years ago. Oh God. I- <laughs> Facebook be slaying me with pictures from college. So I don't yes. know. But- <laughs> so I actually like uh, looking at those pictures because one, it shows me um, how quickly things have changed like how like a lot of things are not very permanent Mm -hmm. and like how you know just things change uh, so fast and then I like personally I like seeing them of like my pictures of family and friends you know just seeing how all of us have changed over like the last few years and um, whether it's been like a change of state a change of job a change of like relationship status you know Mm -hmm. uh, long hair short hair no hair like all of that (laughs) stuff like I, I actually love watching that because it just shows me just the growth that we go through and then I think about all the things that I thought I wouldn't be able to come out from and mm-hmm. I'm like oh you know what I, that didn't kill me I'm gonna be all right let me relax <laughs> you that know there's a word yeah so okay well that's something for the okay so one last thing or kind of mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving for the check-in so recently I was on the Twitters y'all know so mm. listeners y'all know I'm not that good at Twitter like I'll do a lot of lurking and watching like <laughs> tweeting myself I don't really do yeah. but uh, Mark Lamont Hill he recently tweeted that he don't even care what a hater gotta say mm. and that macaroni and cheese is the most overrated Thanksgiving dish <laughs> blasphemy yeah, <laughs> right? nah get him all the way out of here <laughs> So I kind of want to turn the question to you, Truth. Yeah. Which supremely celebrated Thanksgiving food is just simply overhyped to you? Um, so I, I've never eaten this eaten this dish on Thanksgiving, but I've been over at like friends who've had it, and I'll be mm. looking at it mad sideways. But y'all could get that potato salad on my face on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> get it all the way out my face, B. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna mm-hmm. have to say okay. Not so I'm actually you. have to say I agree with you. Like, I am very funny. <laughs> like many of the people in my in my African American culture <laughs> are very <laughs> funny <laughs> when it comes to potato salad. Right, and right. it's like I'll eat it, but like mayonnaise covered potato Mm-mm. at just some random's house. Um, yeah, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, let's see. For me, apple pie. I don't like okay. it. It's weird. It's random. Like, what is this? 1952? I don't want apple pie. <laughs> like, yeah, but um, Mark Lamont was wilding. He must not have had good mac and cheese to be saying right. that. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I'm going to tap him out on that one. For real. Whatever. All right. Um, so let's get into a rundown of what you can expect this episode. With the holidays quickly approaching, everyone is in the mood for a little break. So instead of thinking of our own Real Talk Question of the Week, we decided to take it easy and allow you beautiful peeps to ask exactly what you've been dying to know. Listeners in the Real Talk on God Talk community slid into our DMs, inboxes, and text messages with your burning questions on religion, spirituality, sex, politics, pop culture, and more. No question was off limits. And we're clearly in the mood to talk some big shit. So stay tuned as we tackle the Real Talk Question of the Week. How are you going to answer a question with a question? Watch us, right? Right, right. (laughs) Y'all already know how we do. Then Yaya will take us through the moon reading in time for November 26th's new moon. 
Drake said, no new friends. But Yaya says, when the new moon rolls around, perhaps you should reconsider. And finally, we've got a quality of life hack to help you survive Thanksgiving weekend. If spending quality time with family isn't all sunshine and roses, but you decide to do it anyway because hashtag Thanksgiving, this quality of life hack is for you. So this week on Real Talk on God Talk, we said that we wanted y'all, the Real Talk on God Talk community, to ask us whatever. And boy, did y'all take us serious on that whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we love it. So you know what? Let's, yeah, yeah, let's just get into it because these questions are good. Okay, so let's start with this question. Yep. Growing up, why did I learn that God only approves of sex in the missionary position? Like, that can't be true, can it? Does God want us to have good sex? Okay, we could tell y'all were listening to the V is for virginity, P is for purity episode. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so okay, so listeners, for those of you who don't know what the missionary position is, it is a position where the penetrator, in this case, or in some cases, the man is on mm-hmm. top of mm-hmm. the penetratee, in this mm-hmm. case, the woman, and often there's like a lot of thrusting and eye contact. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I don't I know still, how to describe I it. Look still, at that. I still say that eye contact is optional. <laughs> Okay, well, whatever. That's missionary sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it is, we're not like completely sure, and we meaning like scholars yeah. even are not right, right, right. sure as to like the origins of why it's called missionary sex, but a lot of people think that it comes from North American and Western missionaries that would go mm-hmm. to other countries to evangelize. And when doing so and telling, um, you know, people how they should live their life sex was one aspect of their lives that they also tried to regulate and guide absolutely and saying that you know in like the very victorian and puritanical way that you know a lot of westerners and north americans can be yeah one way that sex is acceptable Mm -hmm. and um you know that that's where missionary sex or the missionary position came from um in terms of does God only approve of sex in the missionary position? Nah, God ain't caring about what position you're in as long as it's consensual, okay? <laughs> like, listen. And right. I think also, too, it goes with, um, um, and I think we touched a little bit on this before, of uh, sex in, in, like, back in the day may have not been seen as something to be of pleasure, but more of a, like, a duty, you know? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't seen as something that should be enjoyable to both parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, you know, the, the second half of that question was like, does God want us to have good sex? I, yes, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to actually agree with that. Yeah, um, like I think that God, if, if sexuality is one way to express oneself yeah. um, and, you know, I'm going to be corny and just say, and God says, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. I mean, sound like good sex to me. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a gift. It's something to be enjoyed, right? So, yeah, of course, it's gonna it's gonna want to be. Can't say that God would have made something for it not to be enjoyable. Be yeah, or not to be good. Right. It, it, I feel like it goes against all the characteristics of God. So that's that's that. that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. So, second question is. 
why do churches never address the issue of spiritual abuse? Okay, so I think this is a loaded question. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a loaded question. So I, I will start by saying like, you know, we can't quite speak for what churches do and why they do yeah. it, but we can start by giving like a, a basic definition of spiritual abuse. Yeah. Right? So uh, spiritual abuse, spiritual or religious abuse refers to psychological manipulation or harm inflicted on a person by using the teachings of their religion um, as a tool. And so I guess it's like psychological manipulation saying that per the rules of your religion, you have to do this. Right. You have to do that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I would see it as that or or like... um... Um, the first thing that came, actually came to mind uh, for spiritual abuse was um, like Catholics were selling uh, like heaven, basically, like, you know, like asking people to pay for, you know, a ticket to heaven. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that that is a form of spiritual abuse, which is still done today. Right. Where it's like if you do this, if you give this, then God will do this. I think Are that you- is. Is this like religious, what is it, indulgences? Is yes, that what thank you, thank you. Yes, okay. the indulgences, yeah. And I think um, a- anything where someone in some religious or spiritual practice is telling you, you know, if you do this, a higher power will do this, I think that's like spiritual abuse. Now, so like th- <clears throat> brimstone and fire preaching of if you X, Y, Z, you're definitely going to hell right exactly that's that's a spiritual abuse yeah like even the most well-meaning church that is not you know like actively participating in spiritual abuse or inflicting spiritual abuse may not talk about it because that is not a term that the congregation uses or that you know people use in everyday life it might be addressed just not in that way and even if it's not addressed um i think that it is a slippery slope in my yeah. personal opinion. It's like, it's easy to go into uh, psychological manipulation using religion as a basis. Like almost everything you tell someone to do because God wants you to do it or God doesn't want you to do it is some form of manipulation, psychological manipulation. Yeah. And so for a church to open up this conversation, it requires a very open dialogue. Yeah. It requires a community that values, you know, curiosity, pushback, yeah. you know, that type of dynamic. And many churches don't have it. It's like yeah. a lot of times the dynamic in church is follow what this person is saying, don't necessarily critically engage. And to have a conversation about spiritual abuse, that requires some real critical engagement. And once you start giving people the tools to critically engage, they may not always do that in the direction that you want them to do. And so I think it's easier to just not talk about it at all than to talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And like, not right. Right. I just want to say not right, right exactly. but yeah, yeah. easier. Okay. So next up on the list. Why do Catholics have to eat fish on Fridays during Lent? <laughs> See, okay. I told you, y'all really sent us whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. I love it, though. I love it. Um, I feel like there's not only one answer to this. 
because I feel like there's many different versions. But one of the things that we did find was that um, when Jesus was crucified, um, as like to stand in solidarity with him, uh, you you wouldn't eat any type of meat, and fish wasn't considered like like meat meat because it was cold blooded. Um, cold blooded. Cold blooded. <laughs> um, I mean, there's also some other things that we read. It was like you know. Somebody was trying to make the fish industry go up. So, you know what I mean? I like, believe it. Y'all yeah. know I do conspiracy theories. I believe it. I, I'm, yeah, I was here for it. Um, but I, I think so. But I do think that it was more to be in solidarity. It had to do something with flesh. Something about meat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I.e. go Google it. For real? Nah, that's mad rude. <laughs> um, okay. So that that was our uh, that, <laughs> that was our our, ex- that our was expertise, our, <laughs> right? <laughs> Clearly, we don't know. <laughs> All right, All what's, right what's next, next on the agenda? What do y'all think about praise and worship songs entertaining the mainstream via chants, Kanye, etc.? And what do y'all think about their ability to have crowds of non-believers singing songs about how great God is? Hmm. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> nah, atheist believing. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, you guys can listen to our episode. Um, what is it? Every time someone mentions a Kanye, a Kanye, a Kanye gets, gets his wings. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. like on one hand, it's the total commodification of spirituality, which sucks. Yeah. But on another hand, it's like whatever is making you think about God and your place in the universe and your spirituality and ethics, hey, great. Um, I also think that it's just funny how we don't pay attention to like how nothing new is under the sun. This is not the first time that like gospel music and particularly like the black gospel aesthetic has been used to sell records. I mean, think about what's that of like Aretha Franklin. If you listen to a lot of like her first album, there's like so many like sexual undertones in what she says that come from like a gospel tradition. Yeah. Like, if you switch the words around, they're not talking about partying or, like, sexuality. You're talking about God and the spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what, what's that song she said? Get in the spirit in the dark. Hell yeah. Like, <laughs> you could take that one way or you could take oh, yeah. that another way. Right. And exactly. so, like, this is not the first time. So, whatever makes people think about God and embrace embrace that, I'm mm-hmm. with it. Whatever. Yeah, I agree with that. I think... um. I agree with that. And then also my concern with it is um, the power that these people hold to blindly be able to lead massive amounts of people. Mm. Um, True. I feel like it is a little dangerous Mm -hmm. when we start to have people who live a certain way (laughs) and say wild stuff. And then want to come and claim a lot of other different things. Right. Um, and so I think that could be dangerous. But I also think it's also great that um, we're seeing the spirituality in a lot of these artists. And so it's like we're moving a little bit past cars, money, and women. <laughs> right. And into other aspects of like reality. Right. And I feel like that's that's helpful. 
it has pros and cons. Um, Next one. When is it appropriate to leave a marriage? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me tell my husband, never. (laughs) (laughs) You got that? I'm going to dump that down. Never. (laughs) Right. Um, My personal opinion, (laughs) um, in cases of abuse, when... In cases of abuse and when the marriage is done. Yeah, like, like if you you if y'all roommates um and it's feeling like roommates, it's time to go. Right. If you feel if, if you feel it's time to go, it's time to go. If there's nothing generative that can come from the marriage, if you yeah. really feel like it's dead and cannot be resuscitated, if if you feel dead in your spirit and in your heart mm-hmm. within the marriage, it might be time to leave. And like the question of appropriate and not appropriate. You know, that usually a question of appropriateness is usually a question of what other people think. Yeah. Or like what society says about it or even even what religion says about it. But, you know, the laws on divorce were one thing under Jewish law. Another thing, you know, maybe under Greek law and Roman law. Mm -hmm. Another thing under, you know puritanical law (laughs) another thing under modern law and so it's like it's 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 appropriate when society says it's appropriate or appropriate and legal when society says it's appropriate but appropriate for yourself and your spirituality when when you say so when you say it's appropriate because you don't you don't want to be somewhere that you don't want to be in because then you're just gonna end up causing more hurt now how you handle Leaving a marriage, that's something completely different. Right. But that wasn't the question, so we're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all ain't getting us. Because <laughs> we'll clearly go down that, that route. Right. <laughs> All right. Um, what changes have y'all witnessed in your communities in matters of social justice, women's rights, queer acceptance, et cetera? Less rigidity in terms of what you are supposed to be. And so for me in my various communities, like I think there there is still, but there was even more in the past, just a very particular way to express Blackness, a very particular Mm. way to express gender, a very particular way to express sexuality. And I think that there were always people who moved in and out of those ways. Like, it's a damn lie to act like queer people have not always been around and always integral to our community. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a damn lie to say that, you know, there have not been staunch feminist badass women who don't give a f about a you know Mm -hmm. like always have been these people i think currently it's a matter of like visibility and language around it like taking root and i just think that there's there's just more fluidity right now yeah um and and an appetite i think for like transgressing boundaries and like um, and appetite, I think, can be a very good thing in my community and in my in my various communities, um, as long as it is not just surface. Yeah. And so it's one thing I think. So, like, I'll give you an example. This is this is gonna probably sound corny, but like someone like Lil Nas X, right? Yeah. He is, or or even like a Tyler the Creator, right? Mm-hmm. And so a 
a sexually fluid or gay, I don't I don't know what they identify as, black male in hip hop who is mad cool with other black males in hip hop mm-hmm. who now is accepted in a way that maybe they wouldn't be accepted in the mainstream 10 or 20 years ago. And the conversation around these things, I think, have changed. Like, the slurs that used to be acceptable to say, like, that people would just have come out. I don't even want to say some of these words, but, you know, like, the slurs that people just used to say, it's not cool to say that in the same way, which means, like, you know, we're moving an inch in the right direction, but although you can't say the slurs or people, you know, it's not socially acceptable to say those slurs, the sentiment of homophobia is still there. Like the sentiment sentiment of massage noir, which is like um, anti-blackness and misogyny, you know, together. Um, Those sentiments are still there. And so I think that that fluidity is like opening up the conversation, but obviously there's just so much more work to be done. Yeah. So, I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> I um I agree with that. I think, yeah, that is definitely one of the changes I've also seen in my community. Um, at least just the conversation opening up, which is a good thing. Um, yeah, the, having being able to have an open conversation about it is good. All right, next question. Okay, next. I kind of like this question. Okay. So how have you personally changed in your outlook in the Mm. past 10 years? And what advice would you give or what would you tell yourself 10 years ago? Or like, what would, what advice would you give to your younger self? Like younger self. Okay. I would have told my younger self 10 years ago. Uh, don't waste time with the wrong people. Mm. Uh, move forward faster. And keep going. You're on the right track. You are where you're supposed to be. And I think I've, my outlook has personally changed. Um, I think I've, I've definitely grown into my own skin where I am able to uh, feel more comfortable in saying what I think um, and being okay with not knowing an answer, being okay with not um, pretending that I have to know the answer. I think I've personally changed in uh, how I identify uh, and, and being able to actually say like, oh yeah, I'm a lesbian, like no problem. Okay. What about okay. you? Let's see. Uh, how have I personally changed in my outlook? I think 10 years ago, I was a jab. I was a judgy ass bit. <laughs> I was judging everybody and everything I could get my hands on. Yeah. Um, I think I um I legitimately did not understand that every single person is made uniquely by God to have their own way of thinking, their own way of interpreting their experiences are different than mine. And like, I did not understand subjectivity that Mm. like my desires are completely totally separate than other people's desires. And the way that other people move in the world has very little to do with me. And so it's like, my change in outlook 
now being able to like more clearly understand one accepting myself my own desires my own way of Mm -hmm. moving has allowed me to accept more fully other people which has just taken so much conflict out of my life like you know I'm clearly not without conflict right of course but it's it's really um it's just really changed the way I've moved through the world, yeah. being able to just recognize that people have their own motivations, their own intentions, and I can't assume what they are. I don't know unless I ask. If somebody right. don't tell me something, then I can't say that they think it or they're thinking right, that right, way. Right. Um, what advice would I give myself 10 years ago? Um, you have to work, like it's going to sound so cliche, but I would give myself the advice to truly work on um to work on accepting yourself and who you are and what you want and articulating that and mm. moving towards that um don't work on changing the exterior stuff so you think that getting into a certain schools about to make you happy well guess what 10 years later you got into the school and you're still not fucking happy excuse my language bleep that out I got but you. you know you think that getting married or finding somebody that you love or you want to be with is going to make you happy. 10 years later, you have that. You're still searching for something else. Mm-hmm. And so, like, worry a little bit less on the circumstances yeah. and work on, like, really what's going on on the inside. So. I like that. Yeah. I think I've also would have told my younger self to find God sooner. Hmm. Yeah. Would have saved me a lot of headache. <laughs> Would have saved me a lot of headache. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think but, my, my my older self is probably telling my current self something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> feel you. Right. All right. Let's see. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about how you've seen discussions on feminism and performativity of women change in the past 10 years? Women like Rihanna, Beyonce, J-Lo what they signified in 2010 versus today 10 years ago women like rihanna beyonce j-lo um i think they signified a very one-dimensional idea of womanhood that was um based on a very particular type of sexiness, a very particular type of womanhood that was like based in a, in a white Anglo-Saxon idea of womanhood. Mm -hmm. Um, I think fast forward 10 years later, um, Mm -hmm. I think that we've seen like a resurgence in like, in pride, in blackness and Latina Mm -hmm. identity and natural hair and like, and all these things and like you know this is a complicated conversation because the yeah. artist and the media personality mm. and the real person are different and so i yeah. can't talk about who they are what they what these actual women want but what yeah. they represent today i think is like the idea of like a perfect woman who's like beautiful and woke and politically astute and 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 strong and vulnerable and mm-hmm. and can bear children naturally quote unquote and, and still up, work up the next hours day so we can be up like 
I think that there's so much positivity that you can look at these women as icons and like pull out positive things. Mm -hmm. But I think you also got to realize as a regular person on the street, you don't have a glam team. You don't have a nanny. You don't have, you know, ain't even got a tour to go on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, a $300 an hour, you know, marriage yeah. counselor. You don't have all these things that these women have. And so this ideal of a perfect woman in that you see in the media is it's an ideal, it's media. Um, and so take it for what it is, which isn't real life necessarily. Yeah, and I think, um, I think it's like you said, a lot of their earlier careers, they were the people behind them were selling a product, right? Mm-hmm. They had to sell us on Rihanna. They had to sell us on Beyonce and JLo, right? And they sold that product. And I think now that a lot of the conversations have changed, um, we get to see a lot more. And, and with the rise of social media, we get to see a lot more of um, somewhat of the person, something of it, some something of their humanity, not so much the product anymore. Because mm-hmm. um, now we get to see like, what they believe in, what they stand, what they stand behind. Yeah, you know, they have more of a platform to say, like, what they believe in, who they want to take a stand on, what they don't want to take a stand on. And then the flip side to that is that when you're in the spotlight now, I feel like if you do not address pressing issues, it does become a problem. And so where in 2010, that may have, you know, artists were rarely asked about their political affiliations or were not expected to say who they were voting for or anything like that or um now I, I feel like it's a little more expected so yeah I mean I think that this you know it has changed a bit we get to see a little more because of social media but I still think um you know they're still they're still showing us what they want us to see yeah I think so I, I giving it some more thought and listening to what you have to say. I also think that the current incarnations of like artists and women like this, there's also like an added component and pressure. I think of motherhood where like you have to have the perfect iconic career, but that's not enough. And you have to be the perfect mom. And your kids got to be perfect. And your kids got to be perfect. And your your body still got to be perfect after. And Mm -hmm. your partner has got to be a high power. It's like you're expected to like hit every single thing. And because these artists with all their glam team are on Instagram and us regular people are also on Instagram on the same platform, we are expected to also perform like that. And it's just... It's not gonna happen. It's not. It's not. Don't don't do it to yourselves, kids. Like I know some women that come damn close, but you know, real life is real life. Exactly. And, and I ain't got the glam squad yet. So right. <laughs> you know? yet. Yes. <laughs> but if they want to sponsor us, you know, we might have a change of opinion. <laughs> you know, I, I gotta sell indulgences. <laughs> I will change my opinion for a I'm sponsored ad on Instagram. <laughs> hey, gonna get in where we fit in. I mean, right. Uh, okay, let's see. Number nine. All right. So, what do y'all think of youth culture today? What do you think we have to learn from the youths, them, about doing justice work? The youth are playing no games, and I like right. that. I like that. I like their tenacity. I like um. 
I like their energy to want to make change and to want to see it now. Mm. Um, just got to find a, a better way to work with them mm. so that we can continue to make even more of an impact you know because at the end of the day um they are they are young and will still need people to help them Mm -hmm. and in return we also have to be open in learning from them so I think like that relationship we need to work that out a lot better with them so that Mm -hmm. we can get further okay that's that's valid um Oh, what do y'all think of youth culture today? They're crazy. <laughs> I think these young kids are crazy. They be on Instagram, 13 years old, face beat to the gods. Yo. You know, just knowing so much more than I ever so knew at that much. age. You know, just a command of language and themselves and just having access that just I didn't have then that gives them just a certain way of moving through the world um, that is both inspiring to me and also worries me a little bit. Um, Because it opens up so many other doors that we didn't have to worry about. Right. I think, I think, so you said, you know, they want things now. I, I appreciate that sense of urgency. And so when I think of the youth stem, I'm thinking like Gen Z or like maybe a little bit after, I don't even know what comes after them. Um, Like, Growing up in a post 9-11 world and that's all you've ever known, they don't trust nobody. Nope. Like, I think they don't trust nothing the government say. They don't trust nothing they elders say. If they didn't see with their own two eyes or somebody didn't, I don't know, retweet it for them. (laughs) They they really don't, like, they don't care. Um, And so I think that that comes with like the positives of like, no, I'm not going to trust you that you're going to fix the world for me. Climate change is happening now. I need to fix it now. Um, And so like, I appreciate that. Um, I also appreciate that they, um, they seem to, when it comes to justice and justice work, they not, only look outward of like how can we fix like systemic issues I feel like their justice work starts at home with themselves Mm -hmm. and their interactions with their family their brothers and sisters like I've heard like 15 year old kids talk about boundaries in a way I didn't know nothing about no damn boundaries Mm -hmm. I didn't even know I had a right to boundaries at 15 (laughs) you still don't (laughs) right right exactly and I just think that for them, it seems like the mm-hmm. work of justice and shifting power dynamics yeah. starts in individual relationships and yeah. then moves its way out to systems. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. So um, last question. So 1 John four fifteen says, God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So what about people who do not believe in Jesus or call God by another name? I know that one is not necessarily, I know that one is not necessarily better than another, but how do I interpret this and not feel like I'm being instructed to despise the beliefs of my brothers? So I think the authors of the Bible had a particular message that they wanted to get out uh, with a sense of urgency that they wanted to get it out. Um, Their mission was to save as many people as they could because to them, the world was about to end. Right. And so they were sharing their own beliefs. Um, But does that mean that people who call God, you know, Allah 
or any other name mean it's wrong? I personally don't think so. I don't think that God is going to blame people on the other side of the world for calling God a different name. Like, no, my name is God. <laughs> you know, like, no, my name is Jesus. You know, um, I think when we start to do that, you know, we're basically colonizing people. <laughs> That's what we're basically doing. Um, so I think this could just be interpreted as, you know, this is in the Christian tradition. So this is part of like Christian beliefs and that's okay. But I don't necessarily think it's wrong to believe that we can call God by many names because just as we are many different people with many different backgrounds, many different languages, I believe we could call God by many different names and that's okay. Mm. So first I want to say, I agree. <laughs> and second, I want to say truth. You really dropped some, like you glided right over some knowledge bombs that you dropped, like talking about Christianity, like early Christianity as an apocalyptic cult <laughs> religion. Like clearly we, we got to come back to this in like another yeah, episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. but hit us up on, on the slide, slide into our DMs if you yeah. want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, to answer the question though, um, I choose to just take the easy way out. I'm not going to lie and read the statement inclusively. Like Mm -hmm. it's often our decision, whether we want to read something inclusively or exclusively. Mm. And what it says, (coughs) excuse me, is God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. All of the best parts, in my opinion, of the Christian uh, religion are so all the best parts of the christian religion abide with all the things that ugh, what am i saying okay uh, 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 sorry girl i was nah, like you good, you good. on it but then i lost it okay so when we read you know john four fifteen, i just choose to kind of take the easy way out and read it inclusively instead of reading it exclusively. The verse says, God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. All of the best parts of Christianity, you know, love your neighbor, treat people well, take care of those in need, Mm -hmm. share, you know, have community, have resources. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, those are the things of God. And Mm -hmm. for those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and believe in Christianity, who believe in true Christianity, those are nothing but good things. There's nothing in the verse that talks about people that believe something else, honestly. Yeah. And so I just choose to take it for what it is that says, you know, it's a good thing if you do this and God abides in you. It doesn't say that if you don't do this, God doesn't abide in you. And so I'm just choosing to keep my blinders on. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, I think that just goes to show, right? Any one passage of scripture could be taken in so many different ways. But I mean, you know, the two most important that I like to live by is love God and love others. You do that, I think you're straight. Right. And that does not necessarily, or it doesn't at all include despising the beliefs of, of others. your brothers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. To keep the conversation going, tell us what you think by following us on Instagram or Twitter at Real Talk on God Talk.
Hey, beautiful people. Today is Tuesday, November 26th, and you're listening to The Moon Reading. Tonight, November 26th, is the new moon. As we move towards winter, when the weather gets colder and the evenings get darker, many of our workloads get heavier. It's a lot of our first instincts to ignore all incoming texts and bunker down into our houses to Netflix and chill ourselves into oblivion. But friends, for the next three days, as we feel the effects of the new moon, I ask you to reconsider. Think about saying yes. Saying yes to the random invitations to brunch, final study groups, or whatever opportunities pop up. Now is a good time, if any, to just put yourself out there. Get in the mix, even if it's not your usual thing. New moons are a great time to make friends and let new possibilities into your life. You never know how a world of good can come from an unexpected yes at just the right moment. Around this season, It feels like society says you're supposed to enjoy spending time with your family. But realistically, you might already know the deal. You just don't really like those fools. You might love them, feel obligated to be with them, or maybe you simply tolerate them. But for our listeners who don't feel like mandatory family time is all sunshine and roses, and for whatever reason, you know, you decide to take the plunge anyway, this quality of life hack is for you. Today, we're going to give you three simple tips to make it through the night without losing your damn mind. First tip. Wow, you gained so much weight since the last time I saw you. You're getting up there in age. When are you getting married? Are you having kids anytime soon? It may seem like an uphill battle getting your family members to respect boundaries of privacy, but you don't have to fall into the trap. You can literally just lie or tell the truth. As a matter of fact, take the liberty to answer in whatever manner you feel like. Make the answer as serious or outlandish as you want because it's not their business anyway. Tip two. Is everyone simply getting on your nerves? Try purposely exiling yourself to the kitty table. Hanging out with the littlest people in the room is often a breath of fresh air. You can play tea time for five hours, and that might allow you to skip over most of the unwanted drama. Tip three. Finally, since you decided to go, and just a reminder, it is always a legitimate option not to. Try leaning into the experience. If you can, Set an itinerary for your time with the family with a clear start and end time and time built in to make yourself useful with solo projects like loading the dishwasher or taking out the garbage. Time will fly. Almost like you're kind of having fun. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Um, We just want to take these last couple of minutes to invite you, to ask you, to command you (laughs) to donate to our water drive. Hashtag 500 gallons for Flint. Um, Just want to remind you that since April 2014, residents of Flint, Michigan, a city that's almost 57% Black and poor, They've been drinking and bathing and washing dishes and washing everything 
in water that contains enough lead to meet the EPA's definition of toxic waste. That is not right. Um, so during the season of giving, we're just asking you to give the gift of water to families in Flint. Um, and it's not enough that we talk about it so much on uh, social media, just in pop culture. I see references to, oh, well, Flint still don't have clean water. Well, y'all, for real, Flint yeah. does not have clean water. Think about that. Yeah. And this is our opportunity to actually do something about it, right? Sites in the city have water machines which allow people to refill uh, reusable five-gallon water jugs as a a way, one way to access clean water. And so each of these five-gallon jugs of water costs $14. So basically that's an equivalent of like two fancy lattes and one unnecessary Uber ride when you could have taken the train or the bus. So right, help us out. Uh, help us reach our goal um, for 500 gallons of water for Flint, Flint, <clears throat> 500 gallons of water for Flint. And if you donate $14, that's one five-gallon jug of water right there for a family in need that we could give back to this holiday season. So make sure you go donate. Our GoFundMe link is in our in our bio, in our Instagram bio. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. It's on our, our website. Um, go donate hashtag 500 for Flint help us out and don't just donate you donate get somebody else to donate yeah share that link yeah share with your um, family friends network let's spread the word Um, let's let's make sure we can we can do this for the people in, in Flint Michigan who really need our help we want to thank each and every one of y'all for all the questions y'all sent in. It was it was actually really dope to be able to answer y'all questions to see what y'all want to know. It was fun. Enjoy your meals. Skip the potato salad. <laughs> <laughs> Double up on the macaroni and cheese. <laughs> right. Well, we're out, y'all. Yep, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. I don't believe in God. I know God. I love me some Jesus. <laughs> Too much. That's crazy. <laughs> That's on the next episode. It's the moon reading. I rock with you, Yaya. It's all love. They better listen to this advice. We good. You crazy girl. This is what this show is about, all right? We with keep the it real. real and real talk. The God in God talk. And that's a